Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So would you say the best word to describe Biden and McConnell's relationship is frenemies? You know, I think that might be the exactly right word. You know, it's weird. Joe Biden seems to not even be able to make up his mind. In 2018, he had this interview where he said, uh, Mitch McConnell and, and I are friends. Some duos just go naturally together. Bacon and eggs, Lewis and Clark, Batman and Robin. But Biden and McConnell? And then a year later, he said, Mitch McConnell and I, we aren't friends. <laughs> um, so uh, they, they have served together in the Senate. Believe it or not, Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell used to be buddies, serving together in the Senate for almost a quarter century. And then also Joe Biden was vice president and was the chief congressional negotiator with McConnell on behalf of the Obama administration. So uh, they've known each other for decades. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Alex Thompson on how Democrats might have control of the presidency, the White House, and just barely the Senate. But if they want to get anything done, they might have to rely on what could be the most important relationship in Washington. Probably the most consequential moment for the Biden-McConnell dynamic comes right after the 2012 election. And here we in, Mark, the time here we are. Ohio is in. We are projecting the battleground state of Ohio for President Barack Obama, which means you are looking at the president of the United States. Obama gets reelected. Democrats have a narrow majority in the Senate. And Mitch McConnell is minority leader. Now, That's exactly the scenario that we find ourselves in right now, where you have a Democratic president that has just won the election and a very narrow Democratic majority. But in the Senate, you need 60 votes to get most things done. So that means you have to figure out a way to get um, at least a handful of Republicans to come along with you. And Mitch McConnell is extraordinarily effective at making sure that his caucus, you know, sticks with him. From ABC News. This week with George Stephanopoulos. Hello again. Washington back to work this week, but with just 30 days to go until America hits the fiscal cliff that could mean a tax increase for everyone, there is no sign that Congress and the White House are anywhere close to a deal. So, end of 2012, the Congress had sort of figured out this way to do this cascading series of deadlines, which they called the the fiscal fiscal cliff. cliff. Everyone's taxes set to go up on New Year's Day plus $650 billion in spending cuts projected to cost the average American family $3,500 more. The clock is ticking unless the president and Republicans do something they couldn't do before, find common ground. I want to bring it in. In one year alone, you would have had $700 billion in combined tax hikes and spending cuts in the middle of a pretty fragile economy. So the thing was, if you went over the cliff, you could have sent the economy into a recession or even a depression. Now, what happened was Harry Reid and McConnell were basically playing chicken. The growing storm brewing in Washington after Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid warned today that the government could perhaps go over that fiscal cliff. And Harry Reid's people have told me later that they were ready to go over the cliff because they felt that McConnell was being ridiculous. Now, 
McConnell's people make a very late gambit. So the fiscal cliff deadline is New Year's Eve, midnight. And on December 30th, so we're literally 36 hours away, McConnell makes a last minute gambit and he calls Joe Biden. Gets his voicemail. Leave a message after the tone. And says, is there anyone over there that can make a deal? McConnell then goes to the floor of the Senate and says, I've just called Joe Biden. Now, this is infuriating Harry Reid because Harry Reid thinks he has McConnell right where he wants him. Now, that's arguable. And then Biden, with Obama's blessing, decides to intervene the last second in the negotiations and cut a deal with Mitch McConnell. So Biden is the guy who Mitch McConnell goes to in one of the most difficult situations, probably, in his career in Congress. Exactly. And actually, McConnell's relationship with Biden is far better than McConnell's relationship with Obama. In fact, in this process, you know, Joe Biden, ever the loyal soldier, says as they're getting you know pretty close to a deal, Joe Biden's like, you know what, we should loop in the president. You know, let's have a meeting. And McConnell, in his memoir, recalls that the meeting was a complete waste of time, that he felt that Obama was lecturing. And at one point, Obama you know, loses his temper and calls McConnell's chief policy aide a jerk in, <laughs> in the meeting. And so Joe Biden becomes the key uh, congressional ambassador to Mitch McConnell on behalf of the Obama administration. Shouldn't have taken us this long to come to an agreement, and this shouldn't be the model for how we do things around here, but I appreciate uh, the vice president's willingness to get this done for the country. And this relationship, while tense, there is some weird sort of warmth, or if not warmth, at least respect between the two. You know, at the moment, they're both 78 years old. This is the last jobs they're ever going to have. And they've both served in the Senate for 36 years apiece. You know, they are creatures of the Senate. They grew up in the Senate. That is their home. It is the thing they probably love the most. So a decade later, Democrats now control all three wings of Washington. McConnell is the minority leader in the Senate once again. What will their relationship be like this time around? I mean, the truth is that we don't know. And that's why I was so interested in looking at their long history together, because their relationship, their dynamic is really going to determine the next two to four years. And in some ways, Joe Biden's legacy as president, because, yes, you are right. Democrats have the House and they have a very like the narrowest majority possible in the Senate. But again, unless you get rid of the filibuster, which a lot of Democrats want Joe Biden to do, but has he has so far uh, at least been noncommittal, you need Republicans in order to get almost anything big done. And Joe Biden has also made it clear that he wants that. Joe Biden has made it clear that he believes we can get big bipartisan bills done in the way that the Senate used to work. And this $1.9 trillion relief package. The American Rescue Plan. Rescue package is, I think, how they're calling it. It will tackle the pandemic and get direct financial assistance and relief to Americans who need it the most. Is the first big test because Biden has has told people and his people have told the Hill 
that they really want a package that passes with 60 votes, if not more, if not 70 votes. They want Republicans to sign on to this bill and it to be a big bipartisan package. But so far, not many Republicans have come out saying that they support it. And so what you're going to see is that the Biden team is going to make a huge effort to court a bunch of Republicans to get to sign on to this big stimulus bill. And Mitch McConnell is going to be a, a big part of it. The thing to watch is if Mitch McConnell thinks it's going to be better for his members in 2022 to sign on to this bill or if it's worse. And the truth is, we just don't know. Interesting. If we do see Biden working across the aisle, trying to woo Republicans, working closely with Mitch McConnell, what do you think that means for the Democratic Party? Because I feel like sort of for like lack of a better term for a lot of people on the far left of the party, they would say Mitch McConnell, right, is is like the root of all evil to them. Um, if you see Biden working with him over the next couple of weeks, over the next few months, do you think we could see that lead to some sort of splintering within the Democratic Party? A hundred percent. And this is actually what sort of happened a little bit during the fiscal cliff deal, which is that it wasn't just Harry Reid that was upset. It was the entire Democratic caucus or almost the entire Democratic caucus that was really upset. They felt Biden had undermined them. And he was so eager for a deal that he was willing to undermine or, or give up some of their leverage. And I think you're going to see... If Joe Biden ends up wanting to be eager for a deal, he's going to have to give up some Democratic priorities. And Democrats aren't going to just be OK with that. They're going to complain. And in some cases, they might complain pretty loudly and they might even try to sink some forms of legislation. And so this is the other key dynamic to watch is if the Democratic Party sort of bolts from Biden, if he ends up being too much of a dealmaker with McConnell. So it's threading a needle within a needle in terms of the politics of it. Alex Thompson, thanks so much for talking with me. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Also today, some Senate Democrats are filing an ethics complaint against Republican Senators Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz over their efforts to object to the 2020 presidential election results on January 6th, the same day that pro-Trump insurrectionists stormed the Capitol in a deadly riot. In a letter to Senate Ethics Panel Chair Chris Coons and Vice Chair James Lankford, seven Democrats, including Tim Kaine and Richard Blumenthal, wrote, quote, by proceeding with their objections to the electors after the violent attack, Senators Cruz and Hawley lent legitimacy to the mob's cause and made future violence more likely. As part of the move, the Democratic lawmakers are requesting an investigation into the pair of senators over their challenge. And Sam Cornally will be named the next executive director of the Democratic National Committee. That's according to multiple people familiar with the decision. Cornally, currently the DNC's deputy CEO, will work closely with expected incoming chair Jamie Harrison to guide the National Party through what will likely be some turbulent 2022 midterms, given that the first election cycle after a president is elected is usually brutal for the party that controls the White House. Cornelli previously helped manage the DNC during the 2020 presidential campaign and 2018 midterms. He also oversaw Tom Perez's 2017 campaign to chair the DNC and worked as a deputy chief of staff for him while Perez served as former President Barack Obama's labor secretary. 
The Politico Dispatch team includes senior producer Jenny Amens and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Tara Palmieri, and as Joe Biden transitions back into the White House, I'm part of the brand new team leading a new Politico playbook for a new era. Along with my colleagues Ryan Lizza, Rachel Bade, and Eugene Daniels, we'll bring you the obsessive insider scoops about politics and people in power. We'll be your daily unofficial guide to official Washington. We know Playbook is the first thing that hundreds of thousands of you read every morning, and we'll give you an efficient tip sheet to start your day on what you need to read and who you need to watch. Subscribe at politico.com slash playbook and tune into our audio briefing every weekday morning, wherever you get your podcasts.